0: Praise God. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I've joked all weekend. I shared with the, at the conference, when, when Pastor Donald spoke, those 50 folks from Clay County were alive. I mean, they were amening. I hadn't seen any life out of them in a year. And a man comes from Clay County, and all of a sudden, it was as if Moses came down from the mountain. But <laughs> praise God. No, he truly did bless us, your pastor. Is a wonderful, wonderful man, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be here. Uh, I want to reiterate what he said. The conference was fantastic. Your hospitality was so wonderful, and so we appreciate all that you have done. And again, thank you for allowing me to speak this morning. Again, we appreciate Pastor Donald. Appreciate um, Clay. Listen, I was I was encouraged this morning. I was in the office. And uh, Clay was just asking me about what, kind, what I might need for the service, whatever, what kind of, what verse you're reading from. And he said, hey, I remember your message the last time you were here. I think it's been, it's been over a year ago. And I'm going to say, my people don't remember the sermon on Monday. And Clay's remembering. He even quoted things that I said. I'm like, praise God. I like this, man. I like this place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, I'm encouraged because I know that this church is a church that honors the word of God. That you want to hear the scriptures. Is that correct? Am I right? Am I in the right place? Where you honor God, you honor His Word, you want to hear what God has to say this morning. And so, I just want to share with you something that has been challenging me for the last few weeks. It's a, it's a message that I've shared with with my church, and it's something that's challenging us as well. So, so it's going to be uplifting, but it's going to be challenging. Is that okay? Yeah. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, if you would. And we're going to read a parable that I'm sure you're familiar with. But, uh, but uh, I want to kind of expound upon it a little bit. Luke chapter 14, and we're going to start reading at the 15th verse. The title of my sermon is simple. It's a compelling invitation. A compelling invitation. Father, we want to thank you first and foremost for your presence that has been in this place this, this morning. Lord, as we've chosen to just put our focus and our eyes upon Jesus, your presence has been in this place. Lord, in your presence, we are strengthened. In your presence, we're renewed. In your presence, Lord, no matter how hopeless it may seem in our situation, there is renewed hope inside of us. We know today that because you are are with us and because your Holy Spirit resides inside of us, no matter what tomorrow brings... We can overcome. And we thank you for that. This morning, I thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to get into your word. I ask simply, Lord, today that you would anoint my lips. Help me this morning. Override and overshadow my weakness and let your word come forth. Give us ears to hear and hearts today that are receptive to what you're speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone said, Amen. Praise God. A compelling invitation. Luke chapter 14 and start reading together verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus, or he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask that I may be excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. And still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant... Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Now we need a backdrop of what Jesus and where Jesus is speaking this parable. The backdrop is simple. Jesus was invited to a dinner party by a Pharisee. And as was often the case, this particular Pharisee invited Jesus with the idea of setting him up. That often happened with the Pharisees, didn't it? They would, they would try to get Jesus in Difficult positions and trap him and wonder what he was going to do and right away at the dinner party in the 14th chapter if you go back and read it later you'll find that that immediately as Jesus sits down to a meal they bring a man with dropsy in front of him. Now, you've got to understand something. The Pharisees never invited the lame. They never invited the sick to their parties. They, they never reached out to the marginalized of society because they believed that they had a one-way one, one relationship with God. They believed that they had arrived as it is. They were holier than the rest. And so they would have never invited this type of individual to a party. But this particular day, there was a man with dropsy there. And it, didn't, it wasn't just a coincidence that they bring him out in essence before Jesus. Really what they were doing was trying to trap him. And so the situation was probably something like this. We're going we're gonna put to put this See what he does. If he ignores the man, then we're going we're gonna to accuse him of not being compassionate. But if he heals the man, it's the Sabbath day and we've got him because he's broken the Sabbath. And so they thought in their religious demeanor and their religious heart that somehow they've got him now. They finally figured it out, you know, they've trapped him. But in typical Jesus fashion, he turns the tables on them. And he looks at them and he says simply, which of you having an ox that's in a ditch, if would you not go and reach out to that ox and take it? We've all heard that, right? You've heard that person. And he said, and, and immediately he reaches out to the man and he heals him proving very clearly to them that he came not to observe religious rituals but he came to seek and to save that which is lost aren't you thankful today that God has come not to pour on us more rules more regulations more rituals but he came for those that are in the ditch those that are broken those that are hurting those that are lost amen and so that's the context of this story. And so they go on with their meal and they continue on. And another man rises up and says, Blessed is he who shall eat in the kingdom of God. And he's referring to the resurrection. And then Jesus begins to speak these profound and powerful words. Now when we speak about the parable, there's, there's something that we have to understand. It would have been custom in Jesus' day that... If you were invited to a meal, you would have had a you would have had a, an advanced invitation. If we could just say it that way, it wasn't kind of like like our situation. We would if I was to invite you to a meal, I would have said, "Come on Saturday at eight o'clock. Everything will be ready. We'll be prepared." No, what would have happened in the time of Christ is an invitation would have went out, and the day would have been spoken. the The day would have been told, but not the hour. So, so they would have said, "We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a festival. We're going we're to have a party." on Saturday, and then someone will come on Saturday to let you know when we're going to eat or when we're going to feast. And the reason was obvious. They, they didn't have the ability to prepare and do food the way we do. They would have to, to slaughter animals and all the different things. So, so as you read this, you have to understand that the people that Jesus is referring to, they would have had an extended invitation. This wasn't just a, just an a off-the-cuff invitation. They knew This party, They knew this ceremony was coming. It would have been on their calendar. They would have put it in their iPhone. They would have put it in their Galaxy. They knew that on this particular day, I was expected to be at the ceremony. But if you'll notice as the story goes, when it came time and the invited guests who were expected to be there, who had an advanced invitation, when it came time to actually get up, And to be mobilized. To actually go. That's when the excuses begin to come. Most theologians believe that this parable. Is referencing three types of different periods. I believe that as well. As I kind of studied this over the last few weeks. I see there's a lot of connection in that belief system. that, That Jesus is speaking about three different types of periods. Verses 17 through 20 refer to the nation of Israel but I want you to understand something that there are certainly lessons that you and I can learn from this as well 17 says that that it was time the supper was prepared the meal was ready it's time it's go time and so so the host of the party of the ceremony the master said go tell them they know it's today but go tell them now's the time get busy come on out the hog is ready everything is prepared as they went out, they all begin to make excuses. I've bought a piece of ground. I've bought some ox. I've been married. The people of God had been asking for salvation for centuries. If you read in the Old Testament, if you go back, one of the, to me, the, the, the great examples of this are the children of Israel as they were in the sl- the bondage of slavery in Egypt. If you remember, the Bible says that a cry came up from their hearts. You see, there's always been a cry in the hearts of the people of God. There's, they, there's always been an understanding that we need something from God. We, we need a deliverance. We need help. We're, we're down here and, and, and we just can't seem to make it on our own we need some help from heaven and and that cry has been lifted up from the people of god and from the jewish nation for years Seeking healing, seeking salvation, seeking deliverance. And now at this particular moment in history, God himself had come. He didn't send Moses this time. He didn't send a man to deliver. This wasn't Gideon. This wasn't Isaiah. This wasn't a prophet. This was God himself in the flesh answering the call of centuries. The cry of centuries for salvation. Now, at this very moment in time, as Jesus is sitting before them, he's telling them, it's time. The supper is prepared. The the invitation was sent out for years and years and years. But now, deliverance and salvation is before you. There's no question, you and I see it very clearly as we read the word of God, that God has always desired to be their God he wanted to be the, the God of the Jews the God of the nation of Israel he carved out a people from since the beginning of time to say I will use you to show the peoples of the world who I am I want to be your God and I want you to be my people but listen, today because of what Christ has done that's, that, that call, that invitation is not just for the Jews that call is for the church of Jesus Christ today as well God desires this morning to be our God and for us to be his people. Can somebody say amen and put your hands together for that? Thank God. And yet here we see a people in the midst of God's invitation refusing the very invitation that they longed for. John chapter 1 verse 11 says clearly that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. In Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus looks over the city of Jerusalem. He looks over the people. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, and when I consider that in the context of this parable, that strikes my heart. I think of the humility of God. I want you to consider with me for just a moment the humility of God. He's God, man. He doesn't need us. We don't have anything that offers Him any advancement. We we, we bring nothing to the table in this equation. You know that, right? And yet, He continually, year after year, moment after moment, appeals to the heart of man constantly drawing us constantly inviting us you see I believe the invitation of course in context for the period was to Israel absolutely I believe that but don't you believe that even in this day that we live God's constantly drawing us don't you believe even after salvation, maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray to God that if one thing happens from the preaching of this sermon that you will, you will sit in this service and you will know that there is a God that is so humble and so merciful and so compassionate and so loving that you cannot sit in this room without being miserable and overcome knowing that God loves you and you feel him literally drawing and tugging and pulling you into his presence. But the reality is, not only does God draw us pre-salvation, while we were yet sinners, Christ died and drew us, but even after, for those of us who have received Christ, he's always drawing us into something deeper, isn't he? He's always inviting us to go to to a new level, to a new place. That's what I love about Christianity. I don't know who started this, this false narrative that being a Christian is boring. They didn't know Jesus. They, they may have new religion. They may have knew something about a church, but they didn't know Jesus. Because when you follow Jesus, it's an amazing journey. It's challenging, sometimes fearful. You don't know what's going to happen, but I promise you it's not boring. Jesus is always drawing us and inviting us to go deeper into a place that's beyond our ability to go and be in our own strength. And yet, just like Israel, just like the Jews many times, you and I begin to embrace excuses. You see, for the Jews, they were, in order to, to accept this invitation, they were going to have to embrace Christ. We know that. We understand that. They just weren't really fully willing to do that. Because their hearts were torn. You see, they wanted a they wanted a portion of God. They, they, they knew that they had a need. They, they, wanted, they wanted a portion of God, but they also wanted their own desi- the, they wanted their own endeavors. They wanted their own. They wanted relationship on their own terms. Could we just say it that way? Didn't they? Are we any different? I wonder, are we any different now? Have we learned anything through history? Are we not in many ways just like that? Where, we're, no, we're, we're not those heathens that don't want to have anything to do with God. You know, those, that, those folks that live on the coast or they're a part of different political parties. You know, they're heathens. They don't want to have anything to do with God. But, but I want to challenge you because you've tasted and seen of God and, and you know the call of God and you have had an advanced invitation my question to you is are you still making excuses though trying to live with Jesus and follow him in a relation where you're dictating how the relationship goes you see the guy said man listen i i th- i'm so they didn't deny the invitation do you do you get it they they didn't deny the invitation How quick the church is to point fingers at agnostics and atheists and and those people. But I, I tell you it convicts my heart because many of those people they don't even know, they didn't get they they don't understand. They need someone to tell them in many ways, right? What about you and I? Those of us that are gospel stuffed, the Bible belt. The good people, the salt of the earth, that hear the gospel over and over. We hear the invitation of God. We sit in the congregations. We feel his draw. We know the wooings of the Holy Spirit. We've experienced his love. He's blessed us. He's kept us. We've watched him work in our families. And yet we still make those excuses of why we're not going to go deeper. There's a problem, man. I, and it's a challenge. And the, the one guy says, notice what he says. He says, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I want you to understand that the likelihood is we're probably about evening time by now. Right? If we, if we just kind of logically think through it. it's evening. No, Nobody ever buys a piece of ground without looking at it. Real estate, folks. is that true? Come on. How many times you buy? You know, Alan's not buying no properties without looking at it first. Neither are you. He's probably already looked at the property. You don't, you don't, that's an, it's an excuse. Same way with the ox. The guys are like, oh, I got a team of ox and you know, I know it's like eight o'clock at night, but I'm, I'm on my way. You know, you don't buy a used car without driving it first. Do you? You know, what it, what it speaks to me and what it speaks to us is how, how futile, how silly and how weak our excuses are before God. I mean, man, we can muster up some good ones among ourselves and we can, we can, we can share some thoughts and ideas of why we can't and why we shouldn't. And we, we're good at that between ourselves, but God just sits in the heavens and just shakes his head, I think. Don't you? Like, that's what you're going to come up with? You're going to, you, 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 you you got married, like you're going to really throw your wife under the bus? Like that's what he was doing, right? He was blaming his wife. Really. He was like, "I didn't want to do this, but so we had to." You know, we had to do the honeymoon, and we had to do all of this stuff at the wedding. And if it was me, we would have just eloped. But she's the one. You know, it's just like like Adam in the garden, still pointing his finger at his wife. But they're just excuses. They acknowledge the invitation, but they openly reject it by making excuses. Folks, I, I'm afraid that, that I want to learn from that is what I want to say. I, I, I don't, I don't want to preach this as a, a, a sense of condemnation, but I want to learn from that. I don't know about you. I, I want to learn from that lesson because a parable is just that. Jesus is using a real life situation to teach a spiritual application. I want to glean from that. I want to learn. and I don't want to just sit, sit from this position and, and point my finger back at the nation of Israel or at the Jews. Yep, they should have known better. I want to learn from that. So that, so that I don't conduct my relationship with Christ in the same way. Today, God Almighty is calling you into a deeper walk with Him, a life of provision, a life of power, a life of hope. He's, he's calling you and I into a supernatural life where you're no longer trusting in your own strength and your own abilities. He's he's inviting, you notice what it says in verse 17, everything's prepared, it's all ready. Just like the song, I love the song that we sung. He goes to battle, he goes before us, he wins the war, he brings us the spoils, and all we do is worship. There is a table that's been prepared before us in the presence of our enemies, and he invites anyone who is willing to come and dine. Now you know as well as I do, listen, for most of us, if, if someone invites you to a table and, and you get an invitation from someone, we, 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 we know, listen, there are certain invitations, especially as pastors, certain invitations we get to certain dinners and certain cookouts. And there's, there's some that I worry about. I worry about because I don't know who's cooking and I'm picky. Come on, like you're all looking at me like I'm crazy, like I'm the only one. You know, right? But then there's other ones where like, I know, I know what we're having at that place. I know, I know what they're going to be cooking. Ain't going to be hot dogs. It's going to be the, it's going to be filet on the grill I'm looking for it. I'm not missing that invitation. Can you imagine this morning that the God of the universe, who has created all things, who has all power, who who possesses all possessions and provision invites you and I to come to the banquet, to a table that spread anything you need, if you need if you need encouragement, if you need revelation, if you need financial provision, if you need a touch in your body, whatever it is you have need of this morning, God is inviting you. What excuse is keeping you from walking into the fullness of Almighty God? Whatever it is, it's not worthy of the invitation. It's not worthy of of turning down or, or laying down the invitation. You've got to understand this morning, if you and I are going to walk into this supernatural life, that I think every one of us in this room, there's something instilled in us. We want to. We're going to do it. There's going to be a time and a season where we are willing to just lay down some things. But I love what Jesus said to one man. I think he said it to one of the disciples. Yeah. He said, and for those of you, you may know it, if you know the verse quoted out, I don't know it. But he said to one of the disciples, they said to him, Look, we've done everything. We've we laid down our fishing nets. We've left our job. We're following you, Jesus. He said, Look, let me tell you this: no man that follows me, having laid down this stuff, none of it you will. I will give you back everything, houses, land, people, family, all of it. I will give you all of that back 100 fold. How many of you know that nothing that we laid down for the purposes of Christ and for the kingdom of God even compares with what he repays us back? And he said, listen, what I love about that passage of scripture, he says, not just in the life to come, but in this life, in this life right now. And so these individuals thought, oh, it's so important. I just, I've got to t- i got to go b- deal with this piece of land. Or I, I've got to go work these oxen. Or I've got to go deal with this wedding. And in reality, if they would have simply come to the banquet, they most likely would have been able to do everything they were doing anyway. But they would have had the blessing of what was there prepared for them at the banquet. Isn't that true? You see, God's not just trying to take things away from you. God's not trying to steal joy God's not trying to to take things that are actually good for you. He's trying to give you better than you could ever take or get or get on your own strength and own ability. Do you understand that this morning? He's, He's trying to give you beyond what you could ever do in your own self. We are so limited in our scope. I believe without question God wants to bless us exceeding abundantly above all that we could think or ask. How many believe that and how many are ready to receive it? Give God praise in this place if you are. So the second period, the second period is widely believed to be ascribed to the period of Jesus Christ in his ministry. Look at verse 21 through 22. It says, so that servant, so he deals with all of the excuses and the servant comes back and reports to the master. Of course, the servant here, it's believed would be Jesus, the master being the father. And so Jesus comes to the father and he reports to the father and the father of the house is angry. He says to his servant, go out into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. You know, I can't help but wonder sometimes, even though I know God loves us and I know in his anger, he, even, even when he chastens us, it's for our good. It's out of love. I understand that. Sometimes I got to think, what does God look at when he sees the church of Jesus Christ in America? Come on, are you, are you with me? What does he see? What is... It, and, he, and, there's a, and I believe, if, if folks, listen, I think we're starting to even begin to see it in some measure. I know we are at our church. And I want to say this with as much just humility as I can say. Here's what I'm saying. Be careful for those of you that are righteous and that you think you're righteous and you're trusting in your own righteousness. Because it just might be that God's getting ready to pass you by and go to the drug addict, the down and outer, the prostitute, the person that's struggling down the road because because he's never going to allow his invitation to be denied. At the end of the day, the invitation is going to go out and there will be a people that will openly, with humility, respond to God and say, God, if you're calling, then I'm coming. Come on, somebody say amen and praise God for that. And so, and so he says, he says, well, then go out, bypass them in essence. What a scary thought. Bypass those that were given the advanced invitation and now go into the streets, go into the city, go to the poor, go to the maimed, go to the lame and go to the blind. And as you know, that's exactly what Jesus did. I want you to consider the work and ministry of Jesus Christ. He came and he began to teach a message. And preach and teach in such a way that the proud religious elites would not receive him. They wouldn't receive it. This man was speaking about things like washing feet, serving others, the last being first and the first being last. He spoke about a kingdom of God that was available to all men and all women, not just a particular group of people, but to whosoever will. He began to speak to children. He spoke to Samaritans. He spoke to the poor. He reached out to those that society had completely marginalized and set aside as no good. He spoke of, God, of man's need for God's grace. The religious elites couldn't believe it. They couldn't accept it. They, they had believed and come to a place in their thinking where, where, where they just knew they were the chosen of God and that's all that mattered. God help us in the church of Jesus Christ, folks. That we would walk with humility in our hour. Yes, we have been blessed. Yes, we've been called to something amazing. But it's only by grace. Isn't that true? Couldn't you just agree that you and I are here today only by grace? We didn't deserve any of this. We didn't deserve this invitation. And he spoke this. And and, and amazingly, as the religious elites began to reject it, there began to be a people that started to embrace it. Right, they, they started to understand that they were mostly poor, they were mostly lowly, they, they, they knew they were blind before God. They knew that they needed a Savior. I, I don't know about you, but I've been in ministry now 20 plus years. And I'm finding some of the, some of the people that do the greatest in the church and in the kingdom of God are those who have, have an understanding, a clear understanding of how weak, how broken, and how needy they are. Those are the people that I love to minister to, man. It doesn't mean you had to have been uh, strung out on drugs. I don't believe that. You 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 could have lived. You could have lived a very moral life comparatively. You you could have lived. You you, you could have lived a good decent life. Got up to work. Went to work. Everything. All that. But there's some time. There's some moment where where there's a revelation and understanding as you're reading the scripture or as the Holy Spirit's beginning to speak to you. Something begins to click. I don't deserve any of this. I am broken and lost and weak and God's calling me to do something and to be powerful and to walk in his provision but I have nothing to offer God and usually what it does is it causes a a yearning in our hearts and say oh God I'm not worthy of this. I I don't deserve it but I know and trust that you're calling me so I'm just going to walk in courage and believe that if you're calling me I can do it. And that's what started to happen. There there started to be a group of people that, that knew they were poor. They knew they were blind. They knew they were naked. Luke chapter 15 verse 1 says, Then all tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. There's got to be a moment where you and I recognize we need Jesus. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. I need Jesus more today. At least I understand I need him more today than I did today. 28 years ago when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and I'm going to tell you 28 years ago when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ I was in a mess I knew without question I was lost and yet today even though I preach and teach and pastor a church and all of the things that we somehow ascribe to being righteous I recognize today and I hope that it just continues I need Jesus more today than I ever have and so a group of people begin to hear it and, and, and the servant goes out and the lame and the, they begin to say, wait a you're inviting me? I'll go. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I sense there's going to be, that's going to be what, maybe that's what the end time revival is going to be like. You know, it's, it's believed by my, many that there's going to be an end time revival before Jesus returns. You know that, right? And I don't know, personally, this is just for me and so I don't want to offend anyone, but I don't know how on earth God can break some of the religious death and 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 complacency that is in the United States of America there are churches throughout the land that Jesus just like the the church at Leviticus is outside the doors and he's knocking and wishing he could come in but he has no opportunity to come in whatsoever I believe the next step is he's going to begin to go out to those who are hurting and broken and lost who you and I don't want in our midst who we don't want to associate with because they're full of problems they're full of mess they're dirty they've got issues it's going to cost you. To Time. it's going to cost you effort it's going to cost you money to disciple them but that's who Jesus is going to in this hour and if that's where Jesus is going then that's where we have to go isn't it that's, that's, that's where we have to that's what happens and he goes out to them and he begins to call them he, he draws them in he gathers them they knew they were unworthy Ain't no business being at this feast. This festival wasn't designed for them. I just got this picture, an image of, you know, have you, have you ever been? I know that's one of the things that I love. I, I, we see it at our church, you know. we, um, like, like you all, I mean, I'm so welcome in this place. It's just very similar where, where you could walk into our church and you could wear a three-piece suit, totally fine. But you could walk in. We got folks walking in, man, and it looks like they slept in whatever they were wearing the night before. And some of them probably have. Just as welcome. Just as welcome. No difference. You know, and you and you watch them walk into the house of God and they're welcomed. And they're joining into worship with somebody who's who I know, because I know their story is wealthy and educated, but they love Jesus, and right next to them is someone and they don't even have a job and they're broken and they're and they're half out of drugs. Come on, I don't know about you. We have some people that are still on drugs and they still come to church and they lift their hands and raise uh, worship Jesus. We're working with them. I'm not saying that that's good. I'm just saying that they're in the process of being redeemed by the blood and the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, and so I love that when I just look out over my congregation and my church. And I, gotta, I just got that image of that's what, this, that's what this festival was like. That's what this ceremony was like. You see, it was, it was created for a certain group of folks. And because they had the advanced invitation, they would have known just how to act, and just how to dress, and just how to talk. But guess what? They made excuses. And so Jesus goes out, and he goes out to the lame, and and they don't understand all the language. They don't understand all the dress. God help us as the church that we don't begin to judge people because they don't speak like us or act like us or even dress like us or look like us. Come buddy, please say amen. I am hoping I get another invitation one more time to preach here. But if not, I'm going to give you everything I got this morning and, because this may be the last time that I get to come back. They, they, it doesn't matter to God. He just wants his house full. You do understand that. At the end, the the, the issue is Jesus came to earth to die so that heaven would be full and so that hell would be empty, so that the powers of hell would be overcome and conquered and so that Jesus Christ would be glorified not only in earth but for all of eternity. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And so this is speaking of a period of time where Jesus goes out and he begins to call and he begins to reach out. And they come. They just begin to embrace it. Blessed are you, the poor, those that recognize their need for God. For yours is the kingdom of God. Those of us who know we bring nothing to the table. I know I have nothing, but I'll come with what I have. I'll have the courage, the faith, to just simply yield to your invitation. The last period is the age of the church. We'll get ready to close with this. It's the third period. It's verses 22 through 23. And so the servant comes back, and he says to the master, it is done. In other words, it's Jesus' words on the cross, Father, it is finished. I've done it. This is who you said to go. This is who you said to invite. Open the doors of heaven. I've done it. But he says there's still room. Verse 23 says, the master said to the servant, go. Now, I believe that if we just follow this logic of thinking of how this parable was broken into three parts this servant's not jesus now this servant this task has been passed on so just consider this this task jesus was the servant that went to the lame the poor the broken and invited them to come but now that task that mandate that that authority to invite has been passed on to a new servant that new servant is you and i that new servant is the church of Jesus Christ. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Is it possible that this is the church age? This is, this is the season in which you and I are living today. And God is speaking to us through this parable saying to you and I who have experienced and tasted of the fullness of God, the goodness of Christ, He says to us, go now and compel others to come. You've experienced it. You were once the lost. You were once the lame. You were once the guy in the ditch. You were once the man with dropsy. You were the one that had a need for a savior and you humbled yourself. You came, you bent your knee to his authority. He has touched you. He has made you whole. He has birthed a whole new life inside of you and his spirit dwells in you now. Now don't just sit in a pew, but instead get up and go out and compel others to come in go compel them you see there's nowhere in scripture where you and I can justify sitting in our pews with this with this understanding of what we have in the gospel do you know that there is no way to justify hiding and keeping from others what you know you have an invitation in your hand and you have the authority to invite whoever you choose and you have no right by God Himself to deny anyone. Instead, you have a mandate from God Himself to go forth and to compel others to come. I've tasted of the goodness of God. I've experienced the grace of God. I've experienced the power of God, the provision of God. I've watched God bless my family. I've watched God watch over me and sustain me for year after year after year. I've tasted of the Lord and I know He is good and I have absolutely no right to keep that from others. But instead, the Word of God says, Go and compel others to come. You see, the reality is our lives are to be a compelling invitation. Our lives are to be that invitation. The way we live, the way we act, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we speak, our lives is to be a compelling invitation to those around us saying, come, come to the banquet. The table is, everything's ready. Everything's prepared. It's all been accomplished. You don't have to quit drugs and then come. You don't have to get your marriage right and then come. You don't have to get the right attire and then come. Come. Everything's already provided. The table is prepared. And whatever it is that you have need of, you'll find in Jesus. If you need deliverance from drugs, Jesus will help you. If, if, you, need, if you need the power to overcome fear, Christ is there. If, if, you need, if you need help over depression or anxiety, if you were hurt as a child, when you come to this banquet, there'll be just what you need. There'll be just what you need there. You don't, you, do, you don't get fixed first. You just come as you are. Everything has been prepared and is waiting for you. Our lives are to speak this. Our lives are to speak of His mercy. Our lives are to speak that God forgives. Our life and our churches and the way we conduct ourselves, the way we worship, the way we live, the way we work, it's supposed to speak that He delivers. It's an invitation to the world around us that God loves, that God wants a relationship with us. Is God speaking that through our churches? Is God speaking that through our lives? I'm going to end this verse. Listen, I, I apologize. We always, at our church, we get like four or five closings. So you are used to that, right? So that way I only did one, so i closed close two times. Just read this verse with me, please, and then we are going to close. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Please go there. Just keep playing. It's perfect. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see this, and God's word is going to convict us all this morning. second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 for the love of christ compels us first of all let's just stop there isn't that that's paul speaking of course i think we need a little bit of what paul had had a chance to speak to Donald this morning as we were talking about the life of Paul and the ministry of Paul and the and the passion that Paul had for the kingdom of God and for the things of Christ and seeing souls saved. He says, "For the love of Christ compels us." You see. When when you begin to recognize and understand that that we have responsibility, that we have mandate, that we have mission, it's it's not out of obligation like at work because you're like thinking, I have obligations at home. I don't want to do the dishes today. I don't want to do. I agree. When I think of obligation or mandate that way, it's terrible. But but Paul didn't see it that way. He he sees it as because of the love that I've experienced, because of the goodness that I've received from God, because of what what I've experienced in Christ, it compels me it absolutely I I can't sit idly by I have to go out I have to compel others to come because we judge thus that if one died for all then all died and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no longer now I want you to listen please Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that you've been reconciled to God through Christ? You are a wayward wanderer lost in your sin broken with no way out on your way to a godless eternity but christ came and intervened in your life and brought you into relationship with god hallelujah to his name and then it says this and has given you or given us the ministry of reconciliation that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of word of reconciliation. Here's the verse, verse twenty. We're going to close. I promise. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. As is your life, that could fix me. I'm supposed to be living in such a way. I'm supposed to be having intimacy with Jesus on such a level. Because that's the only way it happens, folks. Intimacy with Christ. at such a level that my life is speaking. And it's as if God himself were pleading through me. Not telling people how bad they are. Not tell, it's, notice it says in verse 19, the, the ministry of reconciliation isn't to tell everybody how bad they are. How many of you can figure out by now, the world knows how bad they are. You don't have to tell a drug addict that's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. Go home with them at night and watch as they throw up as they're trying to come off the drug. Walk alongside them as they try, time after time after time, relapse after relapse. You don't have to. They don't need someone walking up to them and say now now brother you shouldn't be doing that it's not the God's will for your life they don't need you to tell them how bad things are they need, to sh- they need you to show them a way of hope and a way of deliverance and a way of reconciliation to God the homosexual community doesn't need you telling them that it's bad and it's wrong I love what your pastor said yesterday they know there is, a, there is a suicide rate that is out of, outside of the, the bounds of, of understanding. They are committing suicide at record levels. Why? Because they're completely lost. They're not finding. They thought. There was a thought in a sense that they could find, they, that they could find acceptance and peace. And, and that there would be some measure of joy in this lifestyle. And they're being left empty. They don't need someone to tell them what they're doing is wrong. They need someone to show them the way of reconcil- reconciliation to God. A way of peace. Paul says our lives are to be as ambassadors as though we are, as though God Himself is pleading through us. And here's what he would say: we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Folks, the church has to be a real, compelling testimony. God's desire to redeem humanity. Let's stand all over this building if we could. If you're here this morning, just, this is how I do it. I get made fun of by some preachers, but I don't care. If you'll just the old bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment and let's, let's let the Holy Spirit speak. If you're here today, above all, if, you're ha- if you would happen to be in this service and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's no accident that you're here. Spirit is drawing you in this place. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ but your heart is bursting and you know today God's inviting me to be his son, to be his daughter to, to come into the kingdom of God to lay down my sin and to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and that's you and you want to do it. Eyes are closed heads are bowed. Is there anyone in this room that's you? Because first we want to reach out to you. If you're here and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you've never done it, will you raise your hand? And say today, I want to receive Christ. I Pastor, I feel the draw of God, I feel the invitation. Is there anyone in this building? Praise God. Step forward if you would. If that's you, just step forward if you say that's me. I want to receive Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Now maybe there's someone here to say, Pastor, when when, when we were talking about the excuses, man, that is me to a T. I have been making excuse after excuse, but today I feel the drawing of God. And I no longer want to make those excuses. I want to step out and say, today's enough. Lord, no more excuses. If that's you, will you just step out of your seat and come forward? We're going to pray with you. I'm just, I'm done with the excuses, man. I'm I am ready. I'm ready to go all the way with Christ. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not riding the fence. I'm going all the way with Christ. If that's you, come on, step out step out of your seat and just come forward. We're going to pray. Praise God. Now, church, we're, just, we're, going to, we're going to sing, just if it's okay. We're going to sing just a verse. Those folks that have come forward, we're going to let them pray. I'm going to pray for them real quick. And then we're going to end, if it's okay with Pastor Donald, we're going to, we're going to pray for all of us. Lord, help us to be a compelling invitation. Can we do that? Can we do that? Why don't you lift your hands to Jesus as they sing, as we just begin to minister for a second, and then we'll come right back and pray as a church.